How's everybody doing this morning? We're good? Good to see you guys out this morning. I'm glad you all are here. Um, you got your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 3. We're still in Revelations. We're still talking about the seven churches of Revelation. And we're going to continue our study this morning in, in the book of Revelation, talking about these seven churches. I've really enjoyed seeing the different aspects of all the different churches in this text. And I just, today, I'm really excited. As you guys remember, John's sitting on the island, remember? In Revelations 1, it says, I was in the Spirit on the, what day? Lord's Day. There we go. Did nobody remember that? Everybody said, Lord's Day. There we go. On the Lord's Day, he was sitting in the Spirit, and behind him a voice came and said, Write these things in a book, and send them to the seven churches. And we've gone through Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, and today we're talking about the church of Philadelphia. The, 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 the church of, what's that, what's Philadelphia mean? Brotherly love. The church of brotherly love. This, this church is the, this is the one church that gets it right. <laughs> like this is the one church that has, has it all, they've got it figured out by God's grace. So we're going we're gonna to dive into the text and we're going to read this this morning and then we'll, we'll, we'll just expound on these verses. And the angel of the church of Philadelphia write these words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but a little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as we go through this text, we see this, Father, that it would convict our hearts, that it would encourage our hearts, that it would bring us to the feet of the cross, and that we would... Lay our lives at the foot of your cross and long to pursue and know you by your grace. Father, I ask that you would give us grace, abundant grace, Father, as we sang this morning. Grace greater than our sins. Father, thank you for your, for your love for us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that John sees in this moment is Jesus tells about himself again. Remember every part, every church, he's given a little bit of a synopsis of who he is. He gives it a character trait. Talked about one, and one, one church said, my, my mouth is a sword and it comes out and it makes war. And there's different attributes. So you see the first thing in the text here in, the, in this. He says, to the, word, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the keys of David. So the first thing out of his mouth is he says, I'm the Holy One. I'm the true one. He references his character and his nature as the triune, sovereign God of the universe. He is the only God. He is the Holy One, the true one. There are, there's no other gods. There's no other deity. There's no other authority. It is God alone who is in charge and so he he references this he says he holds sovereignly the keys to the kingdom what's it say here 
who has the keys of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. He's the one who opens and has the door to the kingdom of God. He is the one who allows people to come in. He is the one who doesn't allow people to come in. It, the buck stops with him, amen? The buck stops with the Lord Jesus Christ. He opens this letter up saying that he literally, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one's getting in except through me. He is it. He's it. He's the one who opens. He's the one who shuts. He continues in verse 8 and tells this particular church something I would just love to have said about our church. Every church should long to have this said about them. He says in verse 8, I know your works. Now, do you remember in every other church he starts off, he says, I know your works. I've got this against you. I know your works, but I've got this against you. I know your works, but I've got this against you. You guys remember that? Every part of this? This doesn't happen here. (laughs) This church gets it. It says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one will be able to shut. I know you have but a little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Like, this, this church was completely unashamed. They were faithful, and as a result of that, God opens a door for them. He opens a door for them to be able to have an opportunity to spread the gospel. This, uh, this same idea is echoed in Romans chapter 1 to the church in Rome. Go back over there. I want you guys to see that with me. Go back over to Romans 1. If you've got your, I know you've got your Bibles. I, I hear the, the pages turning. Go back over to Romans 1. And Paul addresses this in, to the church at Rome. This idea is echoed. The first thing in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through the Lord Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all of the world. So you have this, uh, this door was open for this church in Rome and everyone in the region was aware of what they were doing. And you, you see that in Romans 1. Why, is, why in Romans is Paul thanking God for, the, for this church? He says, I thank my God through the Lord Jesus Christ for all of you. Why? Because your faith is being proclaimed in all the world. Everyone knows what you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're, 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 pro, you're propelling, you're proclaiming, you're preaching the word of God faithfully to the people in Rome. And it's being told all over the regions. Everyone knows it. Everyone is hearing about it. They were being faithful to proclaim the gospel. They knew that they had an open door and they took it. Their faith was being proclaimed in all of the world. And I love that Paul longed to be there. Look at verse 11 in Romans. It says, For I long to see you. Paul longed to be with the people in Rome. He longed to be with his church that I may impart some spiritual gift of strength to you. That, that is, that we may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He had a strong desire to want to be with the people of God. How good is it? When you're in the fellowship, when you're in community with other believers who actually believe the word of God. Amen. Being with people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not fake heirs. There's not some sort of an agenda. They have one desire. It's to know the God of the universe, to see him proclaimed, to preach his word and to hold fast to this book. Isn't it good to be with people that that are like that? 
that I, I know that whenever you ladies have your ladies Bible study, my wife always gets in the car. She says, I love that. I love being a part of this fellowship. I love being around these ladies because they love the word of God. They love each other and they want to be just around each other. And it's good to like you don't everybody says, well, nobody's got the only thing we have really in common is the Lord Jesus Christ. and That's really all we need. Amen. That's all we really need. So Paul longed for this to be in the company of Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, Christ-following believers. He longed for this in Romans 1. And John emphasizes this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. He says, I know you have but a little power. I know this. I know Jesus said, I, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. And then he tells him in verse 8, I know that you have but a little power And yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. You've you've not denied it. You've kept, you've taken what little bit of power that God's given you and you've been faithful with it. And you've been, you've been, you didn't scatter it illegitimately. You actually were concerned about the word of God being propelled and preached properly. And I'll say this, listen, an unashamed church is an unstoppable church, amen? A, A faithful church is a fearless church, and a biblical church will be a bold church. Now, this is what we are told, that if we remain faithful to the word, and we stand firm in the grace of God, we will have an open door of opportunity. Like, this is, this is the example church. This is the church that we all should want to be a part of. They, behold, verse 9. I will make... I'm sorry, I apologize. Continue in verse 8. I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut, and I know you have but a little power, and yet you've kept my word and not denied my name. This should be the heart's cry of First Baptist Church of Cedarvale, Kansas. This should be our heart's desire is that we would be faithful. To see men and women come to know the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see men and women fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. An unashamed church will be an unstoppable church. A church that holds fast to preaching the gospel unashamedly will be Unable to be stopped by the gates of hell itself. How do I know this? Because Matthew chapter 16 verses 18 and 19 tells us this. This is Jesus talking to Peter. And he says to Peter, I tell you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, Jesus is talking here, and sometimes what we read this, and some people think that, well, Peter's the one that Jesus built the church on. That's not what this text is saying. You have to re- read it in its original language. Peter, he says, I tell you, Petros, little rock, you're a little rock. He's talking to Peter about this. He says, listen, you're a little rock, but I tell you on this Petra." This bedrock, this, this foundational rock. Who's the foundational rock of the church? Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundational rock 
upon which this church stands. And if we're trying to stand on anything else, any other person, any other, any other entity, the church will fall apart. So Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, you're a little rock, but I'm going to build my church on the bedrock. You're, 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 you're a little rock. You're, you're in the church, but I'm building it upon the, the bedrock of Christ. And the gates of hell will not prevail against a church that is founded and bedrocked in to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woo! A church that stands for the gospel will be unstoppable and they will have power. Back to Romans 1 and verse 16 and 17. It states that the gospel has the power to save and to transform lives. The gospel has the power to be able to move mountains, literally. It has the power to change people's hearts. And as a result of their hearts being changed, their minds are changed. And he says, he continues in verse 17, he says, The just will live by faith. They're not afraid of what might come. They have an eternal mindset. They have an eternal mission. And they know that what needs to be accomplished by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is what they're going to do. They're not concerned about what might come. They're confident in what will come. They're not concerned about what might happen. They're confident in what will happen. Amen? That's what we as a church need to be doing. We don't need to be concerned about what might happen. Oh my goodness, what might happen? We need to be confident in what will happen. Jesus Christ is coming. Amen? And I believe that with everything in me, we need to be confident in what the future holds and not what maybe might happen tomorrow. I can promise you this. Jesus will be on the throne tomorrow. Amen? Let's keep going. A faithful church is a fearless church. A church that has faith in what God said He will do they will, and they will not be afraid of any storm that comes their way. Rather, They will have a sound mind and be prepared for the mission that God has laid for them to do. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 6 through 7 says this. For this reason, for this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through laying on of hands. Now, we did that this morning. We laid on some hands. We prayed. Amen. Like that's what we're called to do as a church. Like, so he says, for this reason, fan this flame forward. Don't, don't be afraid. Look what he says. For God gives us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Like, guys, I know that there's a fearful spirit in the world in which we live. The neighborhoods that we're in, there's a fearful spirit. God, that did not come from the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of fear does not come from Jesus. So what, we, what do we need to do? Rather than buying into the fear of what might happen, we need to fan the flame of what God says has happened. I remind you, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, to fan into the flame the gift of God. What's the gift of God? It's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift. Fan the flame of the grace of God in your heart and it will spark all just a wildfire throughout your mind and your life. Don't be afraid. Because God, the Lord Jesus Christ has not given you a spirit of fear of what might happen. But He's given you power 
He's given you love and He's given you a spirit of self-control. Woo! That's what we've been called into. We've been called to fan this flame. Fan this flame that has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5 tells us that we are a city on a hill and we are not to hide our light. Man, we sing it. Remember, we, we got little kids up here. We say, what's that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a... What's it? You guys can come on. Bush, oh, no. Why? Because I'm going to let it shine. Guys, we're letting a little bit of... We're getting, letting some small things cause ourselves to put our, our light under a bow. Oh, did they cough? I better put my light under a bush. Like we're, like we're called to be a city on a hill. So why? What's it say? We're called to be a city on a hill so that all, everyone can see. We don't put it up. We don't shine all over Cedar Vale. I'm going to let it shine. I remember sitting in this pew watching those kids sing this. Is that, and then we say, well, that's for kids. No, that's, that's a song that we need to be having in our own hearts to bolster ourselves, bolster ourselves in no longer being afraid of what might happen, but be confident in what is happening. Christ is moving. Amen? Amen? All right, just double checking. We put that, we put that stand, we put that light on a stand so the world could see. So a, a faithful church is a fearless church. Next, a, a biblical church is a bold church. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5 through 5 says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people, there is a time coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. But they'll have itching ears and they'll accumulate for themselves teachers that are going to suit their own passions. They're going to have teachers that are going to come in and, and scratch the itch. Verse 4 says, they will turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths and fables. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. The church that holds fast to a biblical principle will be bold to proclaim his word. Churches that waver in their commitment to herald the gospel will waver in their, in their establishment of a church in general. We saw throughout Revelations earlier where Jesus said, if you don't repent, church, for being worldly, I'm going to come and I'm going to pull your lampstand out. I'm going to shut the door and lock it. Like this is a bold church will be, or a biblical church will be a bold church that will hold fast That'll hold fast to the word of God. Yes, amen. We are to hold, we are told in Revelation chapter 3 to hold fast. And those who keep this, keep his word, will be kept from the hour of trial and tribulation. Let's keep going back to Revelation. So we're going verse by verse. So we're going back here. Verse 9. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie, behold, I will make them come and bow before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. 
Like don't, the, the false churches that are around us, like this come, those that if we remain steadfast to the biblical doctrines of the Bible and we stand firm in the bedrock of Christ Jesus alone, those that are around us, they're going to come and they're, they're going to, there's going to come a day when they're going to realize what? It says, I'll make them bow before your feet and I, they will learn that I have loved you. There's coming a day where people are going to be like, golly, those, those, stiff, those stiff-necked Bible thumpers, man, they, Jesus did love them. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Their bedrock. Keep going in verse 10. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. So in verse 10, we see this. Those who keep the word and endure to the end, they will be kept from the coming tribulation. And guys, I believe coming tribulation is on its way. Oh, they've been saying that for years, Caleb. I'm telling you, sit and wait. It's going to happen. Tribulation's on its way. But those, listen, those who hold fast to what I've called them to, because you've kept my word about being patient and the endurance you've endured, you've maintained, you've repented where you need to repent, you didn't make excuses for your sin, you repented and and you were enduring to the end, I will keep you from the hour of trial. It's going to come on the entire world. I'm going to keep you from this. I'm going to keep you. Matthew 24, 13 says, But those who endure to the end will be saved. There is coming a day when tribulation will fall on all of the world. But God's word has told us those people who are in Christ, who have endured to the end, who have not profaned his name, but have propelled and preached and proclaimed the gospel faithfully and been this type of church, they will be spared. Amen? They'll be spared. Verse 11 says, He's coming. Behold, I am coming. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Like there's coming a day that we're, we're not judged on our works. Or we're, we're not saved by our works. We're saved by what? Grace through faith. We're not saved because I went to Sunday school. I'm not saved because I'm a member of this church. I'm not saved because I'm good. Because none of our goodness will get us into the presence of God. None of it. The only thing that gets you into the presence of God is the grace of Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Those that are saved, we are going to be judged based upon what we did with, what, or with our Christianity. You will be rewarded. There will be crowns that are given to those that are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture even says there's going to be jewels in those crowns. There's going to be all kinds. And guess what? You don't get to keep that crown. It's not a crown that you'd be like, oh, look, Caleb got a crown. I'm going to put it on the shelf. That's not what that crown is for. The Scripture tells us that we will take those crowns and we will cast them at His feet. And worship him because he is the only one that is worthy to receive praise, honor, and glory. So God's going to give us a crown, but man, we're going to, we get to cast that man. I, I, you say, well, that, that's not a big deal. I can tell you right now, I don't want to be the Christians going to be standing there watching everyone else casting their crowns at the feet of Jesus. And I have, 
Where's yours, Caleb? Well, I didn't do much for the Lord while I was on earth. I didn't care. I can promise you, you'll care then. (laughs) I can promise you, you'll care then. Jesus is coming. So therefore, don't give up. Hold fast. People are wavering even now in this moment, in a light momentary trial and tribulation. This light little affliction that's hitting us, people are wavering in their commitments. They're wavering in their concerns about the church. They're like, oh, I don't know if I should go. Should I go? Should I not? I don't know. Should I not? Well, what's going to happen? Well, what's going to happen when things really get dicey? And they will. Things are going to get really dicey. We're handing over our constitutional freedoms hand over fist. Take my freedoms. I just want to feel secure. Take my freedoms. I want to feel secure. Take them away. I want to feel safe. I want to feel, as long as I feel safe, I am safe, right? Mm -hmm. Ask the Jews about that when they went to the concentration camps. It's... What happens when things get really dicey? Jesus says, hold fast. Don't give up. Don't waver. Endure to the end. I'm coming, so hold fast to what you have so that no one will seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write, him, I will write on him the name of God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has ears, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. Because this is this is important stuff. We are called to stand fast, stand firm in what we're called to do. No, like this is this is not the time to give up. This is not the time to give. Oh, well. I'm going to cash in my chips now. No, we go all in for the cause of Christ. We go all in because what's, what's, what's the word of God say? Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? You guys don't remember that? And Joshua gave us, you talk about a bold, a bold man of God. Joshua was it. Here he, here he is. Have I not commanded you? This is not a holy suggestion. So he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God goes, where, goes with you wherever you go. So I don't care where you go. If you go to the grocery store or the bathroom, Jesus is with you wherever you go. So don't be afraid of what might come. Be confident in what will come. The one who conquers will live out forever in the temple of God. And he or she will be a citizen of the kingdom of God forever. That, my friends, is good news. Amen? That's good news that we, like, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Like, this is it. We're in Christ. And there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. How do I know? Because God's word says that there will be no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Romans 8 chapter 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, logic would tell us what? 
If there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, there will be condemnation for those that are outside of Christ. Where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? Are you holding fast to what the gospel has laid out? Have you held fast to what the word of God says? Or are you making up your own religion and your own mindset of who God is? I want to hold fast to Christ. I want to be forever in the house of God. The one thing that I ask, Psalm 63. Psalms 63, David's psalm to the Lord. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Behold your power and your glory because your steadfast love is better than life. Knowing God is better than being alive. That's what that says. That's David's prayers. Oh my God, my God, I want to know you. Like this is the kind of prayer life that we as believers should have. Amen? Like this is the kind of prayer life that we should have. Is that God, earnestly I want to know you. My soul thirsts for you. When's the last time you said in your prayers, God, my soul, my mind, my suke, my mind thirsts for you, God. No. It's... God, just get me through the day. God, just help me. When's the last time we got on our faces before the God of the universe and said, you are the God and earnestly I seek you. Earnestly I want to know you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. I could, I could promise you this. This might get me in trouble, but that's okay. If we were as concerned about this virus as we were about our spiritual health, we'd see revival. But because we're so occupied with what's going on over here, we're not paying attention to what's going on over here. The enemy is crafty. If we were as concerned about our spiritual health as we are about our physical health, we'd see revival. And it's time for the church to repent. And it's time for us as a church to say, God, earnestly I want to seek you. Earnestly I want to know you. Earnestly I want to be with you. I want to be like the church of Philadelphia where it says, listen, I know you've got just a little power, but you've been faithful. Go, go hard. Do what you've been called to do. You're living out what God's laid out before you. Follow me. Follow me. And guess what? God will bless that. But if you live in fear of what might happen, God's not going to bless that. God's going to bless a church, bless people who pursue him and the truth of who he is. How do I know? Because the word of God says that those who follow him, those who do this, I tell you, listen, I know your works and I've set before you an open door. Know that you, I know that you have a little power But yet you have kept my word and you've not denied my name. So as a result of that, because you've kept my word and you've been patient, I will keep you. I'm going to keep, like this is the, let's go. Let's go all in for the things of Jesus. Amen? This is the season, this is the time when we need to be pursuing God more than anything else. 
I said back in March when I started pushing this narrative for this pandemic, I said, God's trying to get our attention. And I believe it even more. God is trying to get some of our attention. And we're still, whoa, wow. We're like the baby in the crib while the house burns. Looking at the mobile spin while the house burns. God's trying to get your attention. You have a space to repent. You have an opportunity to repent. And you're still like, nah, I don't need to repent. I'm good. I'm a member of that church. I've been a member of that church for 30 years, 40 years. My mom says I'm saved, so I'm good. Last I checked, mom wasn't the one who made your salvation a solid thing. It was Christ Jesus. If you don't know that you're saved, you need to repent and you need to be a follower of Christ. Repent and confess. Repent and believe. That's what the Bible says. Repent and believe. That's salvation. Y'all can, let's stand together.